fetching that is completely alien in my, in my experience. Extraordinary. Well done, Steve and Katie. Well done. Well, well done, done for being together. That's nice. It, which is, it's, just a sh- it's just a show. Effect, gen, gen, genuine affection. Basically, we, we show genuine affection until our feet hit the floor in the morning, and that's when the problems start. Yeah, you know, when the, the arguments <laughs> the <laughs> <laughs> the, um, You're saying she's that going. there's only genuine affection when you're horizontal? Is that what you're trying to say? It's the most important it's time to show affection. <laughs> only, it, that, that, yeah, that's when there's the truce. The minute you have to start dealing with the actual sort of realities of the day. Yeah. That's when the frictions occur. When are you going to uh, get your dining table back? Because it's currently covered in Lego. David Beckham, by the way, would be proud. David Beckham, oh, yeah, no Lego enthusiast. Yeah. In he fact, wouldn't. he has built the very Hogwarts that you have also no, built. No, 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 no. He's got the oh, full sorry. Hogwarts shebang. That is, just, that is just the Great Hall. And Still, the Whomping the the Willow attached to it. I have a question, Stephen. Yes. Is this Rory or George's work? It's a combination of a combination. the two. Do they work well together? Uh, no. As a team? <laughs> no. Who is the better... Their affection is only shown when they are indeed horizontal. horizontal yeah. <laughs> Who is the better Legoer? Oh, a Rory is Lego proficient. Right. And George aspires to that. But they, 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 do, they just get on with it on their own now. They don't need my help, which, believe me, is the best way for them to do yeah. Lego. Are you not really good at Lego? Well, I, like I imagine his patience runs a little thin. Do you know what? I like, I like Lego the first time you build it. Yeah. Any subsequent rebuilding of Lego means finding the pieces. Yes. And that is the bit that drives me wild. Do you, do you think it's, there's something significant about the generational differences? Because I, when I was young, when I was a young Rory, like your young Rory, we had like a box of Lego. Yeah. But it wasn't in sets. Like there weren't. No, there no, wasn't stuff to build. It was just it like was just a load of random bricks. Yeah. And like use your imagination. Build Whereas a house. Now they all seem to like follow instructions. What does that say for the current generation? In this essay, I will. Sorry. <laughs> do they have to just? They're just following instructions, aren't they? We're just churning out little robots. They're completely bamboozled when they go to my mum's, who has got that yeah. Lego that we would have had as kids. She kept it, and they're like, "Oh right, so we just build stuff using our imagination," you know. If you want to build a castle, you just find the grey bricks. You don't yeah. follow the castle instructions. I'm going to say it's a, a class thing. What do you no. mean? Thing? What if do you mean? You, if you've got disposable income to buy a full Hogwarts, like David Beckham, at the top of that. Yeah. I mean, Wyeth nicely sat in the middle class. He can buy the Great Hall and the Whomping Willow. Yeah, he's not doing as well as, as the Beckham. <laughs> Let's make that clear. And there's going to be those of us who grew up in a slightly different situation, uh, which is essentially to have 73 blocks that can only be done in But when certain, we were kids, did, did Lego do sets? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they just weren't as impressive. You could get like a helicopter. Okay, right. Yeah. And you, can, you could stick a person in that helicopter. Right. But I wasn't building any houses via the sets. I was no. building houses via the only 73 pieces that we had, and it had to be used over and over again. You could not get the three-decker Harry Potter night bus. Is that what that is? Yeah. Essentially, what we're doing is we are saying that you can determine your class by the level of organisation you have in your Lego but building. I, I have a, a theory about your theory. Is it not the case that having a load of random various Legos knocking about is in fact upper class? No. Because it's, it's in the same way as you go, you go to a proper aristocratic home, they haven't got fancy furniture and fire and ball on the walls. It's all old leather sofa and dodge <laughs> shit. The, the <laughs> so you're saying that the upper class Lego 
is actually it's just a big box of Lego artisanal Lego bought from the antiques fair no, 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 no. at great expense. Well, it's not artisanal; it's all Lego, isn't it? But I think upper, I don't know. The, that looks pretty artisanal the to me. Upper class thing would be to have here's my great big box of Lego and just build whatever you like. I don't know; it's everywhere. That's the, how the upper classes would deal with Lego. I imagine you've got as much land as you want to yeah. deal with, so just go for go it. Go and build boots. it in the field. You don't need planning permission. This is Set Piece Many, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. I'm Hugh Ferris. Joining me are Rory Smith. Time. Love and Stephen Wyeth, tenderness. Uh, for all you Michael what? Bolton fans out there, you will understand the reference. Just be glad that I didn't introduce them with the Can I Touch You There Michael Bolton song of Days Gone By. Particularly egregious considering the current public health situation that anybody should be touching you anywhere, let alone there. Talking of which, following our two-parter on the modern football conversation, we have another episode to come today that was safely stowed away a little while ago. So by the time you're hearing this, we could be back up and running or considering an interminable footballing wasteland. But given the latter at time of recording was a distinct possibility, we're going to fill the potential vacuum with something that a lot of you have spoken about in correspondence over the years. And this is a situation which has offered us up the opportunity to do it. The football is a start from scratch European Super League. Yes, we've done a reimagining of the Premier League in times gone by. Should it be reset to reflect criteria such as history and geographical spread? Well, let's do it for the continent. And while this isn't a reset, it will run, run along the same lines. The food? Well, that's whatever is left in Stephen's cupboard after a period of stockpiling. Stephen? Well, I've just left over bacon, just about in date, and some not quite yet mouldy bagels. That'll do. So those two things put together. You're lucky to get any sort of bread, so So, congratulations. It's a bacon bagel. That's what that is. You can get in touch with the podcast, setpiecemenu at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook. For all of those uh, that have sent uh, in response to our previous two-parter, thank you very much indeed. We will get to that when we get back to reality. Just to break up our ramblings today, though, we have an email that we're going to split into two parts, one now, one a little later. Uh, Why I'm doing that will become clear. It comes from John Wood, not the Buffalo, but another John Wood, who has contributed briefly before, but now offers something a little more substantial. Dear gentlemen, he says... Thank you for the five-star podcast you produce weekly. I only caught on to it and its brilliance a few weeks ago after signing up for Rory Smith's weekly newsletter. It's a good newsletter. But have gone back to episode one and have been listening to them all while I walk 10 miles a day, four times a week, on the beaches and residential streets of Huntington Beach, California. Oh, oh nice. I know. <laughs> if only we could transport ourselves there live for him. Uh, the two hours my walk takes, says John, allowed me to originally listen to four shows a walk before the shows got longer and better, he says in capital letters, which legitimises every uh, content-based decision we've made since then. I thought we've established we peaked at episode six. <laughs> That's since actually then. true. Uh, a good 32 minutes, that was. Uh, not only have you avoided ever showing a team any favouritism, but you go out of your way to be completely fair. The people who claim you favour any team, player, well, except Rory Smith's fanboy love of Neymar... Or coach are totally incorrect. No, that's not true. I, I, I'm biased towards Shane Lyon. Everyone knows that. <laughs> Everybody doesn't know. You've not picked up on that yet, have you, John? Uh, that you can be fair and even-handed and still attract such a loyal following would seem very hard to do in these days of all adoring fan podcasts. But you four do, and you do it the best. 
at which point I would normally stop, but no, there's more. Like most Americans who didn't grow up admiring the cerebral play and good looks of Andy Hinchcliffe or are able to listen to and enjoy the insight and the brilliance of both Stephen Wyeth or Hugh Ferris on television week in and week out, your Andy Warhol-inspired podcast picture doesn't let us know who is who, except for Rory Smith, he says, whose picture graces his columns at the NYT, which I can call it because with my one-year introductory online offer of $1 a week to read the NYT, probably pays for at least 18 to 20 of Rory's business cards. Without names or a clear picture, I have always imagined that the following is what you look like. Stephen Wyeth equals Stephen Merchant. I also imagine <laughs> oh while doing Bundesliga games, Stephen, you do the Dietz accent from Jojo Rabbit. Uh, many people who have seen Jojo Rabbit will understand. Hugh Ferris, James Bradshaw, especially his Endeavour character of uh, Dr. Max Debrin. Who's James? I don't know that any one. actors. Oh, yeah, he's, he's got the same energy as you. Let me see. <laughs> That is J- James Bradshaw. Uh, you'll know from the Grimleys if you're in the UK. Um, he was also Jeff Thorpe in Hollyoaks and Endeavour Dr. Max Debrin, as uh, was mentioned. It's 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 not particularly flattering, but thanks anyway. Andy Hinchcliffe, Kevin Waitley. Maybe without the heavy Newcastle brogue, though. Yeah. Very English reference from somebody who lives in California. Uh, Kevin Waitley, for those of you who don't know, um, was John Thor's detective sidekick sidekick in in Morse. Uh, in Morse and he also had his own show didn't he uh, Lewis Lewis because he yeah. was called Lewis it was the follow up and finally though I know what Rory looks like I still picture him as a bastard child of Graham Chapman and Eric Idle I guess it's a Cambridge thing keep up the brilliant work from John Wood in Huntington Beach California more from John later how do we respond to that how do we how do we um well uh, Stephen Merchant is geeky and tall yeah, uh, James gangly. Bradshaw gangly, is, is geeky and short. Kevin Waitley um, is rough and ready like Chinch. And you are indeed a son of Cambridge. Uh, I would say that if anyone has any resemblance to Stephen Merchant, it is Hugh Ferris. Thank you very much indeed. He's obviously the best of the bunch. Setpiecemenu at gmail.com, a reminder of our email address. <laughs> now, way back in the 60s, not the decade, the 10 podcasts that formed the section of SPM history that we refer to, as the 60s, we discussed which 20 teams should make up a reset Premier League. We Is considered, that, that long ago? Yes, indeed. That's oh a long God. time ago. We We've considered talked about some nonsense. The historical yeah. achievements, the current size, and although this seemed to pass too many by, geographical spread before presenting a selection that prompted much anger and disagreement. So let's do it again, but this time offend the whole of Europe while we're at it. Given how football is in a bit of flux right now, we thought we'd take advantage of the unusual times by throwing together a possible European Super League, choosing clubs based on the aforementioned criteria. The first thing we need to decide is how many. Do we do 20 because we did that for the Premier League? Do we do 16 because it's easily divisible? Uh, or do we have it even more than 20 because we're going to find it very tough narrowing it down? No, 20 is the number. We've, 20 we've is established the number. that as the parameter from our Premier League reset. I think we need to, to set ourselves the same target. And the other thing to, to, to mention, and this is where it would not necessarily be the same as other conversations along these lines, we are going to reflect the geographical spread of the continent. This makes it slightly different to just the biggest teams. It will reflect, in an almost Michel Platini-esque way, the Baku to Dublin Euro 2020 now cancel spread. I think I can do this comfortably if we have a 38-team league. (laughs) 
By the way, the, the, the notebook that Rory is using to make his notes is Rory and George's notebooks they use for their spelling practice. So Katie's going to be really, really impressed that they know how to spell Fenerbahce and Zenit St. Petersburg. I haven't got Zenit. 39. Oh, oh, God. 39. It's the 39th game. There we go. Uh, you've written down two there. So, uh, Rory, when you uh, started this very, very recently, how did you, um, or the first few names that you wrote, which will end up being incredibly easy for us to include? Well, so I think if we're doing 20, I think there's certain ones that are obvious, unless we are resetting completely and saying, where would you put teams if no clubs existed? We are starting again. But with existing teams. But with existing teams, right. but we are able to reflect their current size and success. So yep. when we did the Premier League, we included those who have had not only historical value to the conversation, but also those who had a significant part to play in the recent uh, yeah. seasons. So if we are resetting that Premier League now. We are starting this European Super League now. It is a product of today, of the yeah, now. We are, we, it's as cutting edge and modern as we are. Fine. <laughs> Quite well, right. You know, who, who knows where football is going from this moment on. So now is, now is the time to be considering pressing the reset button. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to write down the numbers 1 to 20, all of which I know. 13... Yeah, we wouldn't be impressed 14. that either Rory or George could write down the numbers 1 to 20. But what, are, there, are there any other p- parameters we need to consider? For example, which cities would be allowed to have more than one club? Well, so I that, would argue perhaps London and possibly Madrid, but I'm not so sure any other European cities could... could it read Milan? A, yeah, but then you get into the discussion about Yes, Milan clubs have the history and the pedigree, but does Milan is Milan as a city vast enough to support two clubs in our reset European Super League? I well, that's a can, conversation we can have, you certainly. Can, you can consider, perhaps we should do it this way. If you share a stadium, you are disqualified. Oh. Because that would... Al- yeah. already say that your, your city is not big enough to sustain two stadia of international quality. Wow, the Milan conversation is going to be a tricky one. Yeah, right? absolutely. Which one that's do you exactly, have? That's exactly why I mentioned it. The, so I, th- <laughs> I think there's certain names. So what basically what, what I was trying to do when I started listing was to get over what I'm going to refer to as the Premier League problem, which is that the Premier League, most people listening to this would be like, well, the top six of the Premier League have to go in. But if you've only got 20 spots across Europe, no, they don't. So... I w- let's maybe park England a little bit. Well, give, given the fact that uh, they are only allowed four in any Champions League, it would be no more be than four. Strange to do more than four. And I would say, well, we'll come on to that. Does the other city, of course, that has two likely contenders is Manchester? Two stadia. Two stadia, but is so, Man- if if Milan isn't big enough to support two big teams, then Manchester certainly isn't in our European Super League. No, I, I, I would, I would I, argue that you probably have to pick one of those two. I definitely haven't got two Manchester clubs on my list, so I which think is slightly shorter than thirty-eight, but currently <laughs> longer than twenty. I've, got, I've actually I've actually got up to forty-one. Uh, the so I think we can probably agree that Barcelona and Real Madrid. I am going to be the person who writes down ones that we are universally able to decide upon. So are, we coming up with this, are we coming up with this comprehensively now, or are we we'll, we'll, laying we'll, the foundations and then seeing what, where we'll, other people we'll want to go with it? We always do with these kind of things, Stephen. We come into it with the idea, a grand idea of coming up with 20 clubs, and then we will inevitably fall short or fall long, mm. and then we will ask others to contribute to, to perhaps uh, set us in our place put us on the right path, and thereafter we will hone down to 20. But if we can uh, alight on 20 now, that would be well done us. People like answers. And all people other than us can just go hang. Uh, I think we can probably agree that Sebastian so and Real Madrid are in. Yep. I've written them down, therefore they're in. Bayern Munich. 
Bayern Munich are in. And uh, along a similar theme, you have to say then Borussia Dortmund. Yeah. You'd need, you'd, you'd need at least two teams in Germany for there to be a rivalry. Yes. Which then gets us on to the idea that you would have Juventus plus one of the Milan clubs from yep. Italy. Yeah. At least. Are we going to have the Milan conversation now? No. No. We're saving let's, that let's for just, later. Let's establish the ones that we're comfortable with. A and then Milan we'll see. club is currently what I'm Well, you don't even need to read that, write that down, Hugh. We, let's establish the ones we're comfortable with. So we're comfortable and then with we can Juventus. just trust the, the fringe ones. We're comfortable with Juventus. Okay. Juventus and we stop there with Serie A. Paris Saint-Germain. Who historically would not qualify. Indeed, but we are going to have to have a team in Paris. Yep, so and it of might course, as well be Paris Saint Germain. Modern relevance, huge profile. They've got that Brazilian player everyone loves, Marquinhos. <laughs> 30 years ago, it would have been Marseille. Well, Marseille are on my long list, got to admit. But I do think it's a conversation that we are going to have to have, and it will infuriate followers, ardent fans of French football. But can you justify a second French team at this point of the conversation. Not at this Marseille point of the conversation. Would be the obvious at, one. at the cost of a different country being involved at all, yeah. perhaps not. Would you have Marseille or would you have Lyon? Uh, they, I, have, I have Lyon slash Marseille <laughs> on my list. <laughs> I would agree. One or the other, you can't have them both. And part possibly of me, neither. Part of me thinks that if you have an either or, then neither should be included. And that's, that's where the brutality of this uh, process well, let's, may let's well come into sharp out. at Because I, I do believe you should, in as many cases as possible, and certainly for the major nations, have two teams. It would be a shame just to have Bayern and not Dortmund. You want that local rivalry to maintain itself in some way. So you would, you would like, ideally, a couple of teams from each of the major nations. So we've got six. Should we well, do England? I was going to suggest we did Portugal next, because, interestingly, much smaller country than mm. France, but there is a strong argument for three teams from Portugal, other than the fact that two of them are based in Lisbon. So you can only have one of the Lisbon clubs it would plus have Porto? Well, I don't know if you need two from Portugal, but I think that Benfica, I would say there isn't really a compelling reason to include sport in Lisbon. But not least, as if you didn't include them, you wouldn't have to deal with people saying it's actually Sporting Club de Portugal. <laughs> the, I think Benfica would... I think for most of us would end up being thrown in there. So Benfica, I think, whether you have two, whether you'd need two Portuguese teams, the population of the country is not that, not that large. Porto is not a massive city; it's a lovely city, but it's not not enormous. But the regularity with which Porto have mm-hmm. qualified for the Champions League in recent seasons means that they have, you know, from a sporting point of view, forced themselves into the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. The, the conversation about Portugal is actually quite good because it allows you to decide upon, in this particular instance, how much you weight history against. Recent Modernity, success. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Benfica, you can probably argue because of the, the, the prevalence they had in the 1960s and then into the 1980s, really, didn't they? Um, you, can, you can argue that they are significant enough in European history to play that card. But then they seem to have felt fallen away, certainly in terms of the latter stages of the competition compared to Porto. But Porto have only been well, there were European 15 There were European champions years. in 1987, Porto. Rabba Magistrate the doll. I've got his phone number. Okay, so well, so then 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 you've got uh, it, it, yeah, but if you've I mean, got extra weight for for Porto in that. That's account. so long ago. I bet that number's missing a digit now. <laughs> probably, yeah, almost certainly. No, it was relatively recent. I don't remember what I wanted to talk to him about. It's probably about Algeria during the World Cup. Uh, he was a nice man. Anyway, Porto's European history is glorious. I I mean, I, I think that that the the more compelling case, given that Benfica are also regularly in the Champions League given that they are in a bigger city, given that they have a, a greater weight of history, given that they have the best stadium in Europe, 
I think you have to put Benfica in there. That's oh yeah, it. I don't think there's any argument about Benfica. It's can just we, whether you can justify can Porto we, as well. Can we write down Benfica? We can definitely we're gonna, we're write, down write down Benfica. Benfica. Benfica it's it's also interesting to to reflect that we've got a capital city represented there because if in Italy, for example, we're going yeah. to have Juve and a Milan club. We're not going to have Rome represented. Right. Uh, so there is an element to large population centres and, and catchment yeah, areas. Yeah, but Milan is a bigger city than Rome. And I think you can make a case for Roma. Milan is a, a bigger city in terms of population, population and, industri- and industrial significance. Well, then there we go. Uh, so we've done Portugal. The other satisfactorily. Ab- the other <laughs> absolute, absolute gimme mm-hmm. is Ajax. Yes. Correct. But then you have an interesting conversation, I think, beyond that. Obviously, I don't believe you can have a second Dutch club, but can you have a Belgian club? The strength of Belgian football in terms of the players they produce means Mm. that they, as a nation, probably deserve a pin in their map somewhere, but... Club Brugge. Well, it'd, be an, it'd be Anderlecht, wouldn't it? It'd it'd have have to be Anderlecht. If you're thinking about t- tiers of nations in terms of their their club representation in Europe, you've got the the big four leagues. Then probably just a tier below, you've got France and Holland. Portugal. And Portugal. Portugal. Yeah. Are Belgium a tier below that? Because if they are a tier below that, then you have to bring in Greece mm-hmm. and you have to bring in elements of Eastern Europe, which Turkey. obviously have legacy, but not necessarily current uh, contributions to the latter. You've been looking at UEFA coefficients, haven't you, Hugh? <laughs> I have never... I you boring, boring man. <laughs> <laughs> Not since they became relatively redundant have I done that. But yes, years ago, maybe. But they, but you've got, you've got to consider probably Belgium in that tier. And from mm. that tier, you're going to only really be afforded four, maybe five mm. teams, which is one from five con- different countries. And so have you... Have you got Belgium in that group? And if you I have, then then you can have a team I don't like think Anderlecht. The the either the fan base. If Anderlecht were kind of were to Belgian football, what Ajax are to Dutch football, and if Anderlecht were to European football, what Ajax are to European football, then I think it would be a different conversation. But I don't think even the proudest Belgian Walloon or or Flemish person would make the case that, that there is a Belgian club that's had an outstanding impact on European football as a whole. Not really. Anderlecht are a massive club. Standard Liège are a massive club. Club Bruges are a are a, a massive club. But they're not. If you talk about the kind of the types of teams we're, we're talking about, the ones that have defined football history and, and count for millions of fans, I don't think any of them tick that box. So we're sort of saying that Ajax are the they're the, bar. the low they're, the they're low the lowlands they're the low <laughs> they the are low the, countries representative here. The Benelux they f- they're flying the Benelux flag. In fact, I think you pr- could probably make a more convincing case for PSV Eindhoven or Feyenoord than you could for, for, for Anderlecht. Club. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so Ajax are in. Where do you want to go? North? Are we going to Scandinavia I think, I think or do you want to I get think some more definite? We need to do England because I think England might have the largest footprint. Yeah. Because and it's going to be harder for us to whittle them down because of our well, it isn't, emotional it and geographical closeness. I, I think I'm quite close. I think I can get them down to three. Three teams. Stephen, how many would you have? I, I can get it down to three. I've got four on my list at the moment. I don't know. That's a bit hypocritical when we've been talking about maybe a maximum of two or three from other countries but uh, England as a consequence of the Premier League are yeah. unf- whether you like it or not are a unique case the the size of the clubs and the fact that we have got a big four slash five slash six compared to other leagues having a a single dominant force or maybe two clubs of, of significance means that it is going to be a lot harder 
to, to whittle the Premier League clubs down. If we're going to decide that we only have one for Manchester, let's part that for two seconds. Are we all in agreement that Liverpool should be Liverpool one of those teams? Definitely in. Liverpool has been written down. Return has been pressed. We're on to the next line. So if there's three, does that mean that the other two are both Manchester clubs or do you have one from London and one of the Manchester clubs? I think you clubs? have to have... I, I would say that... It, I'm, 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 I would be happy to have two Manchester teams in the same way as I'd be happy to have two Madrid and two Milan. But I think initially, in this initial first phase of the discussions, then you have to say one Manchester, one London, and those would be Manchester United. And I think... It's it's Arsenal. I, I, don't, I, I, don't be sucking air through your teeth when you know that the answer is Arsenal. Chelsea. No. Yes. European champions. Come on. Chelsea, bigger club. Well, than hang Arsenal. on. Of the top six, I think we can probably. Dis- d- we're being d- very brutal. Don't fall brut- into that trap, Stephen. It's not bigger club. No, but it's in, in, our, in the, our the more is different. So, in the t- of the current top six, which is what we're debating, I think I don't think anyone's going to make a case for a Villa or a Nottingham Forest or an Everton. I think you or Newcastle. I think you would say that we can probably discount Spurs. Yes, unfortunately. Yeah. So. Unfortunately, massive club, huge club, historical club, lovely stadium. Being brutal. But no. Which means you are effectively choosing, from a, from a London point of view, between Chelsea and Arsenal. Now, I would say that Arsenal, historically, obviously, a much bigger club. But Chelsea, over the last 20 years, have matched them and they've won the European Cup, which Arsenal have never done. And I think in terms of overall fan base across the world, they're probably about, le- about level pegging. So you can make a case for either, but I would say that Chelsea are a more relevant modern force. But in the case of Benfica, I know, somewhat flippantly, you were talking about their fantastic stadium being a contributing factor to their presence. True. That's a good point. No one's objecting to that. <laughs> Doesn't sound like you, you've changed his mind, though. Continue, Stephen, in your attempt. No, I, but I, I don't, the I, criteria don't have to be the same for every club, do they? I, I, would, I would, if we were saying we could only have three, a Manchester club, Liverpool and a London club, I would go for Arsenal rather than Chelsea, but I think there there would be compelling reasons to have both Arsenal and Chelsea in because London as a city in terms of its size and in terms of the success of London clubs in terms of what they have won both domestically and on the continent means that they would justify London could justify having two clubs in our European Super League considerably more than just about any other capital city in Europe yeah yeah, yeah that's I think you maybe make a case that is is cogent but if, if we approve. spoke earlier on about the fact that if we had an either or and it was difficult for us to decide then surely neither should be in because it's not obvious enough should we have that rule both, doesn't apply here then. No, both you've Arsenal got... and Chelsea out and put in Manchester City because well, there will be a lot of people let's, screaming because of recency bias that we are including as part of our com- uh, conversation. Manchester City have contributed let's, to. A let's great start event. with the obvious. When we say that there is an automatic Manchester club going in, it's Manchester United. Without yes, if, there's, doubt, if yeah. there's just one. Well, no, but either, either way, United, Man United yeah, enter. Absolutely. So Man United yes. are being written down. Yes, I've written Manchester United down <laughs> almost three minutes ago. But then you can't you can't not have London represented and have two teams from Manchester. Yeah, exactly. Unless you had four teams. Could you have four teams where you had City, United, Liverpool and one no, London No, because if you're going for the recency bias argument, and this is without, without hope or agenda, you can't include City above Chelsea. So City would always be the fifth, uh, always be the fourth there would at after best be fourth. two London clubs. So I, I would say that if you're in either, I would say that in either equation, whether you're having two London clubs or you're having two out of three of, two, of Chelsea, Arsenal and City, you are having Chelsea, so Chelsea go in. 
there is absolutely no way you could justify having two Manchester clubs. Manchester, our home, we love it. It's a phenomenal city, but it is a relatively small yeah. city. You cannot carry two Manchester clubs and only one London yeah. club. A, a, in terms of, from a continental point of view, having a London derby within our European Super League structure would be much more enticing, much more sellable than a Manchester derby. But equally, it's only Chelsea-Arsenal, so it's not really a, it's yeah, not I really don't, a derby. I disagree with you. I think the way that, uh, that, that the Manchester derby has been <coughs> marketed over the course of the last few yeah. years in particular would make that a more compelling but, but historically, product historically, than Arsenal against Chelsea. At the level that we're talking about, Manchester United-Liverpool would, would remain that tip that, that, that box. Would, that would be so the derby, yeah, the northwest of England derby. Wouldn't have to yeah. worry about Manchester City. So hang on. So we've got ten. Those ten are Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, Juve, PSG, Benfica, Ajax, Liverpool, and Man United, which leaves us with ten spots. So well, maybe we've got a Milan club in there. So we've not mentioned well, we, we, we are having decided. one or the other. Though. Well, surely if we're having a Milan club, it's AC Milan. Yes, I or don't think that there's could, any debate about that. I think from there my is point a really view. compelling debate about that. Firstly, the Derby d'Italia mm-hmm. is Juventus versus Inter. The oh, yeah, biggest point, game yeah. in Italy is Juventus versus Inter. So if you're having Juventus plus one, it's got to be their rival club. Yeah, okay. Plus also, although in terms of what they have won, respectively Inter and Milan, is relatively similar. Milan's apart, all apart came, from at Champions League, European Cup yeah, level. Yes, domestically, sorry, domestically. But Milan's success all came within a relatively short space of time. Prior to that, Inter were the bigger of the two. Yeah, in the 60s. And of course, Anna, yeah. since, since Milan's heyday, Inter have re-established themselves as the stronger of the two. So, so you'd be making a decision also, in favour of AC Milan based on one era in their history. But you'd also be based ba- making that decision based on the fact that they have won more European Cups than any team other than Real Madrid. Yep. That they have a huge global fan base, that they have a rich history, that they are the they are a byword for sophistication and style and Italian Elan. And also what should count against Inter is that they were managed at one point by Roy, Roy Hodgson. So that <laughs> is that is a massive cross in the box. I think you can make a compelling case. How about I do you a deal? You have Milan and Inter you can to merge the clubs. No, no, no. <laughs> you have gonna, we're not allowing that because of the stadium <laughs> issue. No, but I, think that, I, I don't think that's entirely fair, basically partly because they're, they're trying to build their own stadiums. They are trying to get away from that model. But I think by the same token, you have to have Atletico Madrid. But we're going to start running out of spaces. I don't, I don't think... I don't think you, t- you could have a European Super League without AC Milan. But I think you are right that Inter warrants a place as well. So there is one solution available to us. We still have 10 spaces to play with. Let's put Milan and Inter in. I don't object to that. They'd be fascinating games. It, it, both, both of them have the they history are, they to are, justify their They are place. two of the biggest clubs in the world, Milan and Inter. They, without, this is the sort of thing that hipsters say and people will sneer. Milan and Inter are both, by an order of magnitude, bigger clubs than Chelsea and Manchester City. Oh, without doubt. Yes, of course. So I think Milan and Inter both go in. Well, in that case, let me write those down because that means that if we haven't yet decided between Arsenal and Chelsea, um, which we I didn't think we... We had agreement on that, did we? No, oh. we've not. And, uh, so have you just rubber-stamped Real and Atletico Madrid? Well, I, so I'm, I'm thinking now I don't that think, if I we just are don't having think can. three... I don't think we can do Atletico. I think if you're having three teams from England, at least, mm-hmm. I think you should have three teams from Italy, which would be Juve, Milan and Inter, which means I think you should have three from Spain and three from Germany. 
Although it's very hard to think of another German yeah, team. I don't, there's not a standout candidate for being the third team. We've only got Germany, one at the yeah. moment from Germany. No, got two. no, we've got Dortmund. Um, Dortmund as well. We, did, we didn't write down Dortmund. That means we got. I, I wrote down Dortmund. I wrote down Dortmund. Well, in that case, you, what you you're, mean you're is counting you... up to 10 was wrong because you were forgetting no. Arsenal or Chelsea. I haven't put down Arsenal or Chelsea because we haven't decided which one yet. <laughs> Barca, Real Madrid, Bayern, Dortmund, Juve, PSG, Benfica, Ajax, Liverpool, Man United, Milan, Inter. And I think you can make a case for Atletico Madrid. Major European capital, admittedly never champions of Europe, but then we still we do still have the um, the English problem. If you are if you're going to pick Atletico Madrid, you are picking Atletico Madrid over and above one of Arsenal or Chelsea. Not necessarily. I think we've got I think we've still got space to play. With. Okay, well in that case, let's park that because um, this is something that we'll have to return to when we realise we've got 39 teams in our league. So, outside of those key major leagues that we have now reflected we need to start diversifying and mm-hmm. we need to represent that geographical spread so let's go do uh, we though do we yes just, yes. just to play devil's advocate because that's the set piece menu way we reflect the geographical spread that's what other people don't do we are doing that we are going to reflect the geographical spread it's what makes our European Super League different to everybody else's it is what makes ours unique we are reflecting the geographical spread of the continent because otherwise we'll be all focused on Western and Southern Europe, and that is not what we well, are let, doing let today. Me, let me start you off then with a a suggestion. Go far. Let's go east. Let's go. Let's go east. As far east as you can get. Yeah. You would want some of the passion of Turkish football, although not the financial trouble, uh, and that means I think you have to take one of the Istanbul three, and at the risk of alienating quite a lot of people in Istanbul, I think that one should be Galatasaray because they have had European success. But to re- because you would be missing out on the Darb, the Darb, the Intercontinental Derby, Greek club. you would have to have a Greek club, and that Greek club would have to be, despite my heart belonging to Panathinaikos, would have to be Olympiakos. So I think you have Galatasaray and Olympiakos. All the arguments you've just made, though, for Atletico Madrid, and mm. to a certain extent having both Milan clubs, surely that applies to Istanbul. If, you, if you're taking Galatasaray... You've got to have Fenerbahce. It, I mean, Istanbul is a bigger city than any of the cities we have previously discussed. So that there is an argument that you would say two Turkish teams, yeah. But that, it, you it, can't. You simply cannot. We well, have a 20-team no, limit. Does so where t- do you start to make your do, sacrifices? Does Turkey's overall impact on European football warrant two teams? Probably not. No, of course it doesn't. But Stephen, you start- you're, you're very much focused on derbies. It's not just creating derbies everywhere. We have to get 20 teams that create a, a nice league that spreads across all rivalries and spreads across all countries. You can't it's just have a derby of every single team. No, we can't no, of course to. not. I know we, we can't afford to do that. Which is why we're going to probably have to get rid of... All, and we are helped out in ways in which, you know, Bayern Dortmund is their classicer. United and Liverpool is as close to, you know, a classic rivalry as we have in England. Uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona, of course. Uh, Juventus Inter, as already mentioned. But if... Are you if telling ga- me that if, with, without those derbies... We're not going to have any sort of rivals. You're going to tell me that that a game between you know Real Madrid and Bayern Munich isn't going to be just as well, you know, looked forward to, attended. The the rivalry that that you can build up over the course of even just a couple of games is enough. You don't need to. I'm simply applying some of the arguments that have been made in the case of Madrid and Milan to a lesser extent London with Istanbul. I'm perfectly happy to just carry one Turkish club. But I think we need to have a conversation about it in the same way that we would need to have a conversation about Zenit and the Moscow club. Has Russian football had enough of an impact on European football to justify more than one inclusion? But if we're 
including Russia in our European Super League, which of course we should, then I don't think you can just, you, you can't ignore Moscow and you certainly can't ignore Zenit. I think you can ignore one of them. I don't think you need two Russian teams because non, there isn't, there isn't a, the biggest club in Russia is Spartak. The most successful team of the last 15, 20 years has been Zenit. So it's, it probably has to come down to those two. Um, it's, it's your Benfica port. It's your Benfica port of two in its stand. You're taking Spartak over Siska, despite the fact that they have been a much more they established are better at part yeah. of the, the Champions League, you know, during much more established part of European competition at the highest level during the Champions League era. Yes, I think, I mean, I, I'm, I may be wrong, but I always get the impression, or always have been, always have had the impression that Spartak is is kind of the Juventus of Russia, although without the league titles in quite such volume, that that is the... That the is grand the, old club. The grand old team. Yeah. The, what, certainly historically the most significant Russian team. Um, I mean, you probably made a case for Sisti, you made a case for Dinamo to an extent, in, in terms of history. Stadium-wise, stadium they're all pretty much the same. Um, Moscow's a huge city. But I do wonder whether you would, you would say, actually, that is a case where modern relevance probably outstrips everything else and you would have to go for Zenit not least as they are by some distance the best run of the Russian teams apart from Krasnodar who aren't obviously going to make it it's Krasnodar so <laughs> I wonder if <laughs> because it's Krasnodar was not something that I was expecting to be a reason the that they're not in because it's Krasnodar <laughs> but I think you maybe in that case would say that if you if you're absolutely determined to to have that's if it, that level of geographic spread, you would probably have to say Zenit is the Russian team that makes it. Stephen, I'm writing Zenit. I'm, get, get to me before Zen, I finish no, St. Petersburg if you Zenit, disagree. Zenit is definitely on the list. I, you know, again, I just think from the point of view of if you were marketing a European Super League, you were including Russia, but you didn't have a club in Moscow. But we've, we've, not, got a, bit, we've not got a club in Rome, so why? Yeah. I don't think it really matters. The problem with Moscow has a relatively unique situation, although there is an, a degree of similarity with, with London that there are lots of clubs in Moscow who are all of a certain level of historical significance and size, but that dilutes the market, whereas Zenit is a, is a St. Petersburg's a big city, and Zenit has it effectively all to itself at the top level. So I think you, you maybe put Zenit in because Moscow's not done itself any favours in that sense. The question that I would have is, would you put a... I think if you were to put a Ukrainian team in, it would have to be Dinamo. Yes. Rather but than would, Shakhtar. But would you, bearing but in mind... would you put Dino Kiev in? But that would be quite a good, you know, Eastern derby, wouldn't it? Because I think the rest of Eastern Europe, you could maybe make a case for Sparta Prague, you could maybe make a case... Well, you couldn't make a case for Stour Bucharest because the Stour Bucharest, as was, no longer exists. Yeah. So that rules them out. And then you've, you've still got a Red you, Star version. You'd, then, then you have Red Star, which Savannah would be... Zvezda. <laughs> yeah, you'd, you'd, or, uh, you know, where Dinamo Zagreb, where do they come into it? I don't not think Dinamo Zagreb have been, not been successful enough recently. I think if you were going to take a, a team from the former Yugoslavia, it would be Red Star. Okay. Um, and I would be, I would say that Red Star is a is a team that should be in there for geographical spread reasons. But there's no, you know, the rest, much of the rest of Eastern Europe, and in fact Scandinavia, the biggest club in Scandinavia by some distance is FC Cup, which is what they all call it, Copenhagen is yep. the biggest club in Scandinavia. I always thought Bronbu was Denmark's biggest club, but look how poncy that pronunciation <laughs> yes. is. I love it. I'm, I will be calling them Bronby because that's what it looks like yeah, yeah. from now on. <laughs> But, but at least, you, what, what, are we going to discuss Malmo? <laughs> no, well, no, there is an, there, we there is, there is an acceptance. Only, only, only because I wanted to be, <laughs> be able to get a Scandinavian Malmö. pronunciation in But there. there is an acceptance, I th from everyone I've ever spoken to about Scandinavian football, that although Malmo and, what is it, is, I mean, it's IFK Gothenburg, but it's actually IF, EFK Göteborg or something. I don't know how the Swedes say Gothenburg. Oh, it's Göteborg. Gothenburg. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
they, they are both big clubs historically, but there is no there is there is an acceptance now that SC Copenhagen is the biggest team in Scandinavia. So if you were to have a Scandinavian team, it would be FC Copenhagen. FC Copenhagen, to, it's, it's a little bit dismissive and we apologise to people who might be in those countries listening to mm. us, but we are going to have to have one to represent Scandinavia, one to represent that Eastern Bloc, not, not Russia Eastern Bloc, yeah. uh, which will be Red Star. Well, you could have Red Star and Dinamo Kiev. I think that, that isn't... That isn't a terrible idea. Are we, putting, are we putting Copenhagen in? We can put Copenhagen and Red Star Belgrade in because for our geographical spread, which once again is a set-piece menu, um, copyrighted process to follow, uh, we, uh, we are having both FC Copenhagen and Red Star Belgrade. I'm putting in Dinamo Kiev in a long list to see if, um, or Dinamo, sorry, uh, to see if we can actually fit in one or two from the former Soviet Union, one from Russia, one from Ukraine. Would you like a current total of where we are? Yes. We are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 teams. And then if we add Atletico Madrid, that makes 20. Are there any countries that we haven't reflected yet that we want to squeeze in or can we throw Rory the Atleti bone? Well, the only other answer, the only other question is Scotland. Ah, boo. Oh. Well, I'd there's need. good planning on our behalf. Yes, no, we need to... Well, we're, no, we're down um, to tw- we are down to 21, although that, that does mean we're going to have to exclude one of the old firm and that is not a conversation I will ever have in public. <laughs> well, you, you'd have to say Celtic. I think it would Initially, be Celtic, yeah. Um, and if you do that, you have no... Athletic. Well, no, not necessarily. Just could you not, in that situation, say that someone like maybe Dino Kiev becomes vulnerable, or potentially Olympiakos? Just suddenly you get you've got three teams in that sort of southeastern Europe bit: Belgrade, 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 Istanbul, and and Athens or Piraeus, and that's quite a lot in an area where I mean none of those teams have won, apart from obviously Red Star won the champions, won the European Cup, but Olympiakos and Galatasaray. Galatasaray have a European trophy to their name, of course, but neither Olympiakos nor Galatasaray have made quite as much of a splash on the European soccer scene as Celtic. Would we be considering a team from Scotland if geographically we weren't so aware of football in that country? Because in terms of its current standing, going back to the coefficient discussion, in terms of its current standing within European football, they don't get a team guaranteed for the Champions League group stages, for example. So a a Scottish team isn't currently considered to be one of the top 32 teams in terms of the Champions League. So should we be considering it as one of our top 20 for a reset Super League? And if if we are going to include a Scottish team, then does that open up quite a few other leagues that would feel like, you know, going back to Belgium, for example, hang on. We also justify inclusion. No, well, I think on a weight of history, Scotland has an advantage because they invented passing. But then, if, <laughs> but also, but but also, Celtic have that kind of global yeah, brand global, appeal. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. for example, uh, Red Star Belgrade don't. don't. No, or FC Copenhagen. Um, but we're we're we're, we're ring fencing Copenhagen to a certain degree because they're representing Scandinavia. Okay. And I appreciate that they fall short on other areas, but the criteria of geographical spread is so important to our process uh, that we're going to include a Scandinavian team. So if you are thinking about taking a team out for Celtic, you have to think along the same levels of whether teams like Belgrade or Olympiakos or Galatasaray or Kiev. That's the tier but in which ha- you're thinking about replacing one of Celtic. You can't have. I can understand your argument, Stephen, but to put Celtic in would to take out one of the others that we've already spoken of. Have, but, but have we drawn a hard line under Atletico Madrid yet? 
I'm, I would not include Atletico Madrid. So I'm does trying that to work not out. leave a space open for Celtic then? It would lead naturally to Celtic being included if, uh, if people are in agreement. I am trying to work out. There are four things that I think we're missing. One of them is a London team. We've discussed that. One of them is Atletico Madrid. One of them is Celtic. And the other one is Marseille. And I, we, as far as I, on my, on the way that I've kept the list, I have two spaces open. So I'm wondering whether you, you know, it's, it's a process of, of negotiation. We have to have a London team in. Yeah, yeah. So should we, should we identify which London team we're having? And should we do that by the method of a simple or vote? could we put that, <laughs> is, is that one we could put out to the listeners? Help us. We, we, we can't decide between Arsenal and Chelsea. Yeah. Oh, geez, that might be dangerous. Oh, actually, we no, only that want, means Arsenal yeah. definitely get in because we all know how well <laughs> Arsenal fans well, mobilise no, themselves when it comes yeah, to just, a vote. It's a good job there's no choice over Liverpool because that would be uh, something you, that, that would be mobilised against us. I'm, I, can, I can see the benefits of both Arsenal and Chelsea. So if you're hard, if you're hard on Arsenal, that's an unfortunately phrased, <laughs> <laughs> then, then let's go Arsenal. I'm not like oh my god, I, you know I'm not hard well, on Arsenal. I just think I just think they I I just think they are a more a more worthy. You spoke about lo- over the trading. longer term. So is there is there something that Stephen wants? If you if you're giving Stephen Arsenal, is there something that Rory that you want from Stephen that Stephen had previously said he doesn't want? I, I don't think I've got anything out of this discussion so far. Don't, well, you might be getting Arsenal. Think, so shut it. It's, it's the best. It's the best type of negotiation when I get both <laughs> things I want. The, and, and then I wonder, actually, if you maybe would take out Dino Kiev for Celtic, given that Celtic have a European Cup and yep. are in a possibly a bigger city, not sure. Kiev and Glasgow are probably relatively similar, but also that you do in that kind of Eastern block now have Red Star, Galatasaray, Olympiakos and Zenit, which is a lot for that area. And this is meant with no disrespect whatsoever to an area that has not had the same impact on European football as, for example, Western Europe. So the it may be that you could, but then I don't know. It, saying five teams from the east seems seems enough for me. And and you, if you were putting Celtic in, that definitely ends any thought of having a fourth English team. Yes, you are. You're saying at that point we are, we've got to yeah. choose one of the one of Arsenal or Chelsea to go with United and Liverpool. Yeah. So I, well, I I would say Celtic go in at at the moment at with Arsenal, Dinamo Kiev's or just Dinamo's expense, and we're having Arsenal. We have now one space available. One space still remaining, which I would say is either Atletico Madrid or Mar. And I, actually, do you know what? I'm coming around to the idea. It should be Marseille. Marseille over Atletico Madrid, but not on size of club or certainly on current success, but on reputation, on significance, on fan base, and on number of European Cups won under controversial circumstances. <laughs> Whereas Atletico, Atletico Madrid have only ever lost a European Cup under controversial So maybe and more than to, once it has to be Marseille. What's so you're saying? A tainted trophy is better than no trophy. Than no trophy. But Mar- you think about the stadium, the city, the fact that you get a French derby in there. I think you you want to have the classic. Yeah, you get the classic. Yeah, the yeah, classic yeah. and the classic. Yeah, the full classic. Set. Hang on a second. Spain. I wasn't allowed derbies a minute ago, and now all of a sudden well, yeah, derbies. We can't have a, we can't have a Turkish derby. It can't it can't be the arbiter of everything that's going on here, but the. It, what Spain are suffering from is for the fact that they our first two names were Barcelona and Real Madrid, so non-negotiable. But other leagues have more clubs in because they aren't necessarily as overpowering yeah. as Barcelona and Real Madrid. So even though Barcelona and Real Madrid are the only two teams from Spain, we are coming to the conclusion that there is not a third because they are so much yeah. further up the pecking order than every, everywhere else or every other, every other team in Spain. Um, so they suffer by having the two most non-negotiable clubs in the whole league. But then the, the conversation with France is, is similar, but potentially in reverse in that, hang on a sec, a club could have established itself over the course of the last decade in France as 
the second biggest club behind PSG. Yet for whatever reason, no club in France has been able to do that. Various at times have looked like taking on that responsibility. Monaco through their injection of mm -hmm. cash. Uh, Lyon in terms of their size and infrastructure yeah. and well, you know, good planning. But they've fallen away inexplicably this season. So looking at it right now, and Marseille have not capitalised yeah, on their size, their fan base. Through mismanagement, they have not been the kind of force in French football that they should have been. So why are we giving them a pass into the European Super League when they have spectacularly failed to establish themselves in the way that they should in recent seasons? Okay, so you, you, you give, you give me a problem. I need a, we need a solution. The solution is that you We're go for Atletico Madrid over. Are you, is your solution Atletico Madrid, Steve? I, if you're taking a second French club, I think it should be Lyon over Marseille. Okay. I, don't, I don't think... I think Marseille have had the opportunity to get themselves into a position where they should be an absolute gimme for this. And they've not done so. So why do they get a free pass? But I would equally very clearly take Atletico yeah, over exactly. Leon. So Which I think it has to be Atletico. Okay. And then, and then you wouldn't to be want fair, to put Dinamo back in? No. Because I think you, if you get three from Spain, three from Italy, three from England, two from Germany, and then basically one from everywhere else, that is about right. Then we have 20 teams in our new European Super League based on the set-piece menu criteria. Don't shout at us. They are from Spain, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid. From England, Liverpool, Manchester United and Arsenal. From Italy, Juve and the two Milan clubs. From Germany, Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund. From France, PSG. From Portugal, Benfica. From Holland, Ajax. From Turkey, Galatasaray. From Greece, Olympiakos. From Russia, Zenit St. Petersburg. From the whole of Scandinavia. Navia FC Copenhagen, and from the whole of the former communist Eastern Bloc, Red Star Belgrade, and from Scotland to finish, Celtic. I think that is actually... I'm rather pleased with that. Quite and a good spread. That's not necessarily um, something that we've been able to say when trying to put these things together in the past, but do, well done us. Do you know what? That's so good, people are going to struggle to pick holes in it. I oh, reckon. no, they'll find the, a way. The, and the whole point of this was to try and, you know, generate some social media chatter about something other than the impact of COVID-19. Well, stand by. Chelsea fans, Rangers fans, everybody who is part of a derby that hasn't been reflected, uh, I imagine they'll be... But, yeah, they'll be in touch. I mean, I Manchester City fans you, will be flooding us with but, bile but, and vitriol. The thing about Man, about Man City... So, Arsenal-Chelsea is genuinely hard. That is genuinely yeah, yeah, hard. Yeah. The thing about Man City is that you cannot question what a, what a hugely important club they are in the modern game. And also, we're talking about marketing. Those players yeah. and that manager will be yeah. an essential part of the way that this is marketed. We don't really care about that element of it. Well, also, the, 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 the players and the managers come and go. That's the other thing. Yeah, yeah. But the you, you wait till Pep Guardiola pitches up at FC Copenhagen. <laughs> the, <laughs> well, he'll the, want to because they're in this league. But if people who are listening take into account the fact that we put we do put a lot of importance on geographical geographical spread that is something that's 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 one of our defining characteristics but also you can't argue that manchester manchester city's whole identity is is based in part on the fact that they have had this incredible sort of underdog story where this t this this happy go lucky team that was always down in the dumps that might, might be contradictory, is now a world superpower. And it might be that if we have this conversation in 50 years' time, that Man City are an, ab an absolute shoe-in and maybe Arsenal, Chelsea or Liverpool or whoever are not. And that's the reason but, that Manchester United, for example, are yeah. a shoe-in because of the previous 50 years. But, but we are not at, yet at that position. So I think it's actually a relatively, relatively easy decision, given how many other teams there are to, and other factors. And the size of the city in which Manchester City operate... To, to exclude them for the time being. And Manchester United have won a European trophy during the time that Manchester City 
have been the more dominant of the two yeah. Manchester clubs. Uh, thank you, Jose Mourinho, for reminding us of that uh, very important achievement. Before we entirely sign this off... We really need to sign this off. Promotion yeah. and relegation. That's for the next episode of Set Piece Menu. Now, remember we heard from John Wood earlier. His email was lovely, wasn't it? There was a with it a rather large postscript, and it goes like this. P.S. In listening to the early shows, you really make fun of poor Andy. His stories, like this is why we're doing it when he's not here, his stories, like most about professional athletes, are hysterical. Athlete stories here in the States are just as funny. You remember he was from Huntington Beach, California. Mm. So here I provide you with three quick ones with all adult behaviour and libel-worthy details removed. This from John Wood. Number one, a friend worked for the New York Yankees accounting department when Ricky Henderson played there. Followers of baseball will know that Ricky Henderson was a baseball person. <laughs> you tell the story. We'll Google who Ricky Henderson is. Ricky is with an E, E-Y, Ricky with an E-Y. Ricky famously talked about himself in the third person. And when my friend realised that Ricky hadn't cashed his monthly cheque, which was for millions of dollars, he went and asked Ricky if maybe he had lost them. Ricky said, Ricky Henderson is a businessman. He is waiting for the interest rates to go up before putting them in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, legendary NBC sportscaster Bob Costas told this one about being a young announcer in the American Basketball Association, the ABA. A team was flying from St. Louis to Louisville and the plane would land minutes before it took off due to the time zone change. Marvin Bad News Barnes, who you'll know is a basketball man, <laughs> told Costas, I ain't getting in no time machine and promptly refused to take the flight. And number three, during the 1980s, Major League Baseball was rocked by a drug scandal. A Pittsburgh Pirate clubhouse caterer was accused of providing and selling cocaine to players. While on the stand, Major League player Vince Coleman, who you'll know as a baseball person, <laughs> was asked by the defendant's attorney if it was true that you and my client used cocaine or is that hearsay? Coleman, pointing at the defendant, replied... It wasn't hearsay, it was his say. <laughs> it just goes to show, says John, to finish, it doesn't matter the country, the sport, or whether a cheese grater is involved or not, athletes are really easy to laugh at. Oh, now I get why you laugh at Andy, he says. <laughs> Thank you uh, to John for that. Keep your correspondence coming into setpiecebenu at gmail.com. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Thank you, Stephen, uh, Rory, and to you all for listening and bearing with us during a time of a great upheaval, no doubt for you as well as for us. We'll be back with another set piece many for you to enjoy very soon indeed. Well, yeah, and we should probably say that we know that, th that this is, we're recording this ahead of time. Yes. And we don't know what will have happened in a month. So forgive us if, if our tone was, was not quite right. We, we can't see into the future. Um, but also our plan is generally to keep on putting out content because we're thinking that people might occasionally need, need something to listen to that, that isn't terrifying. Well, eventually, all this time we that we have spent talking about non-consequential football issues, we're cashing in on it now because all the other football podcasts are scrambling. How are we going to fill our hours? That's true, actually, yeah, yeah. We are way ahead of the curve. We've yeah. got 170 times of rehearsal yeah. in. Yeah, <laughs> we are. This is, this is when we come into our own. Yeah. Good yeah. luck coming up with this ridiculous badinage off the cuff, lads. <laughs>